Collider says Britbox has TV everyone should be watching. Stream acclaimed series with powerful performances from Jodie Whittaker, Tamara Lawrence, Bella Ramsey, and Sophie Rundle. Discover new Britbox original series like Agatha Christie's Murder is Easy, BAFTA winning drama, Time, and new crime thriller After the Flood from the producers of Happy Valley. Stream what the New York Times calls the best of British telly. Only on Britbox. Start a free trial at Britbox.com. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. Whether thou art a ghost that hath come from the earth, or a phantom of night that hath no heart, or one that lieth dead in the desert, or a ghost unburied, or a demon, or a ghoul, whatever thou be until thou art removed, thou shalt find here no water to drink. Thou shalt not stretch forth thy hand to our own. Into our house enter thou not. Through our fence break through thou not. We are protected, though we may be frightened. Our life you may not steal, though we may be scared to death. Welcome to Scared to Death, Creeps and Peepers. Hey, Dan. Hello, Lindsay. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Doing all right? I'm doing good. We got to see Tool the other night. <gasps> so, so, fun. so fun. I'm not even, like, as you know, I wasn't a Tool fan. Like, I, I didn't hate them or anything, but mm-hmm. I wasn't a big fan. And then when their new album came out, you mm-hmm. played it so much that I wanted to fucking hate them. But that yep. show was incredible. Yeah. Mostly obsessed Visually, with the drummer. Yeah. I, can, I can't. Oh, my God. How? So good. So good. It's unbelievable. Oh, I just thought I'd get cozy right <laughs> off the bat. Hello. Thank you. Thank you for the continued ratings and reviews and the subscriptions to Bad Magic Productions on YouTube. Best fans. Best Thank fans. You. you guys are awesome. Thanks for getting the merch. Uh, badmagicmerch.com. We got a tie-dye, scared-to-death hoodie now. Also, a very cool blind vampire graphic tee. Very cool. I really love it. Mm, I love all the stuff. It's so cool. I love seeing it online, uh, seeing it on Instagram. Very, very, very cool. I know. Uh, and we also have a website now. Uh, you can go to scaredtodeathpodcast.com. You can watch the shows from the site. You can listen. You can link to the merch. You can contact us. Link to all of our socials all right there from scaredtodeathpodcast.com. Find us. That's, that's Be new. Be my friend. Be my friend. Follow me. And, uh, and, and I have uh, two stories. How many do you have today? 17. 17. Two. two. I have two stories. Two stories. Okay, I have nice. Two stories. Go two and two. I have two stories. I even have, we're not going to make a habit of this, but I got mm-hmm. like a cool, like, not an update, but just like an informative email cool. that I was like, oh, okay, that's worth sharing. But yeah. uh, we have to go to Canada for one of our stories that's okay. going to be difficult for you since you've been banned from Canada. <laughs> I get to virtually go, not really go. Uh huh, uh huh. And then we go to Utah mm-hmm. for one of those stories against kind of like last week where it's like, just feels too plausible. Okay. You're like, what? Really? Ugh. Okay, right. I like that. Mm-hmm. I like the ones that feel very realistic. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I have two stories. What are you going to tell me about? The first story I have comes from America. And it is a, a story of a very real murder, a possibility of other murders, and the murders were committed by four young carnival workers. What? Well, actually, three young carnival workers. Uh, a fourth is involved, and they were uh, you know, uh, committed to appease the Dark Lord, 
Satan himself. So we have some satanic murder. Okay, so some carnies. Mm-hmm. And car- yeah, it's just like it's like that. My childhood fear, uh, but in reality, it, I mean, I was actually just thinking like, oh my god, because there would, there would always be that, you know, the mm-hmm. fair would roll through town, mm-hmm. and there would always be like that one or two worker that I was like, you make me uncomfortable. Oh yeah, there was a tiny carnival that came from through Riggins, Idaho, no all places way. once. Yeah, that stayed overnight. I remember it. It was in the parking lot by the post office, and I remembered very tiny. Truly, I took a different route from my great grandma's. So I'd go to have lunch with you know them. And I'd sneak back. I took a different route to like I snuck back to. School because I was like truly afraid of being kidnapped. Okay. So, and this story kind of ties into that fear, Ugh. and it's it's worst case scenario. It makes me think of American Horror Story. Mm-hmm. This is like yeah, this is like an American Horror Story type okay. uh, true tale. Okay, and then quickly, just give me. Do you want to tell me what the second story is about, or mm-hmm. you just want to dive right in? No, I got to do the second preview. Okay, let's hear it. Uh, the second story I have comes from Japan, and it's our first true urban legend. And while urban legends, are, you know, are not supposed to be like true, and the mm-hmm. things we tell here always are supposed to have like an element of truth to them. I, I, some people do think that there is a true basis to urban legends, but yeah, some ones I do. that are more popular. And then uh, someone included on that level. And I just think it's a really good, creepy story. Okay. I, and we haven't done really uh, that I can think of any Japanese horror, and so much good horror comes out of Japan. No, I think we've, uh, where were we? Thailand? Uh, we were um, uh, the um, oh my god! It's a, know, it's, it's a it's a group thing? of people. Yes, it's a group of people that um, it's, it's Hmong, on your chest. Hmong. It's H M O N G. The Hmong people. Yeah. Uh, that have kind of the they they don't have their own country. It's it's an ethnic minority in Thailand and Laos and some other places. Thank you. And uh, but in this urban legend that we take from Japan is the legend of Teke Teke. Teke Teke. Hmm. Okay. So first, uh, first story, a little bit of setup. Okay. While like, you get settled in with your yeah, socks, I'm gonna get settled in. I'm freezing. I'm holding mm-hmm. this, and I just, you know, I say it's freezing in here. It's almost 71 degrees in here. Why does it always feel <laughs> so cold in here? Okay, yeah, set it up. I'm gonna okay. get cozy with my scared to death blanket. So though it might not seem, uh, you know, uh, to many Americans like something from the 19th or early 20th century, traveling carnivals still do roam North America today. In 1893, the Chicago's World's Columbian Exposition, uh, or Chicago's World's Columbian Expedition, better known by some as the Chicago World's Fair, was a catalyst for the development of the modern traveling carnival. The Chicago World's Fair had an area that included uh, rides, games of chance, freak shows, burlesque. People traveled from far and wide to see beautiful women dance, strong men lift heavy weights, and the caravan of so-called quote-unquote freaks – Strange, atypical-looking people from across the world, people who represented both the danger and misfortune, you know, the the exotic and the grotesque. Afterwards, carnival attendees returned gladly to the safety of their homes, knowing that they were better off, but holding with them the thrill of seeing something strange, something that wasn't totally socially acceptable in mainstream society. What a terrible way to have to live. True. True, to be part of that. I just want to say that makes me sad. Mm -hmm. After the uh, Chicago's uh, World's Fair, traveling carnival companies began touring the United States. In 1902, there were 17 traveling carnivals in the U.S. There was 46 by 1905. And then by 1937, there were an estimated 300 carnivals touring the nation, hopping the rails, going from town to town. Yeah, okay. A lot of these carnivals gained a reputation for cutting corners here and there, hiring people who who weren't maybe necessarily the most law-abiding. The carnival became a good place for someone to get a job if they were trying to escape their past mm, sure. or escape their present. If you mm-hmm. needed to, you know, escape your life and get out of town fast, what better way than to hitch a ride with a traveling carnival? That's my plan. And if you were still uh, committing crimes, the carnival was perfect. Traveling to a different city every night, you might feel uh, uncatchable. Feel like uh, the slate had been wiped clean every time you packed up and headed to a new town. You might feel like you could get away with anything. 
Time now for a tale of satanic carnival sacrifice. In 1991, William Anthony Alt was 21 and working for the DeKalb County Fair in Indiana. He was a loner who didn't have great social skills, and his days on the road with the fair were mostly long and tedious, characterized mainly by grueling physical labor, and as the uh, carnival unpacked and packed at the beginning and end of every day. The closest people he had to friends were a few co-workers, Mark Goodwin, 22, brothers Keith and David Lawrence, 20 and 23, respectively, and Jimmy Pennick, 25, who seemed to be the leader of the group. If they were a pack of wolves, Jimmy was the alpha. Jimmy had had a tough life. After growing up bouncing from foster home to foster home, he committed multiple crimes as a teen and young adult, some small thefts, some break-ins that resulted in short periods of incarceration and probation. And then he found the carnival. And he soon found new crimes to commit truly heinous and horrific crimes. William Alt saw Jimmy and the other three guys almost every day. He'd see them night after night, finish up work, walk off carnival grounds together. And when the group walked away, they rarely walked towards whatever town they were in like most of the other carnival workers in search of a good meal or a stiff drink after a long day. Instead, they generally walked towards whatever woods were nearby, disappearing into the tree line. Okay, that's creepy. And while William watched them head into the woods numerous times, he never saw them walk back out. But they would always show up the next morning, often looking tired, often with dark circles around their eyes. They tended to smell bad as well, like dirt and mud and maybe decaying meat, like death, William thought. What were they doing, he wondered. Yeah. What was going on in the middle of the night in those woods? He asked Jimmy one afternoon if he could come with him, but Jimmy blew him off. Jimmy said it was a secret club members only. Okay. Sounded stupid, but William still wanted to see what they were doing. So one night, when they were outside of town in rural Ohio... Hey... William decided to follow these guys into the woods. He'd watched them disappear. He watched them disappear and waited for a couple minutes to pass before he followed them. And then he ducked under tree branches and wove through thickets, following the sound of their voices. After a while, their voices sounded closer, almost as though they were standing next to him. William suddenly spun around and crouched behind a tree because a few feet in front of him stood Jimmy, Keith, Mark, and David. They were standing around another tree. So sorry, I said uh, three earlier. There were four plus, yeah, four, four satanic plus William is the, the fifth guy watching. You when, know math. When William scooted to the side to see what they were looking at, he gasped. Tied to the tree was an unconscious man. Oh, my God. And there in Jimmy's hand was a knife. William froze as he heard Jimmy began to perform some sort of ritual. Before the mighty and ineffable prince of darkness and in the presence of all the dread demons of the pit and this assembled company, I acknowledge and confess my past error. Renouncing all past allegiances, I proclaim that Satan Lucifer rules the earth and I ratify and renew my promise to recognize and honor him in all things without reservation, desiring in his return his manifold assistance in the successful completion of my endeavors and the fulfillment of my desires. I call upon you, my brother, to bear witness and do likewise. As William watched the man, the bound man's eyelids flicker just slightly. And then Keith, David, and Mark watched rapturous, more focused than William had ever seen them. Each man repeated, I proclaim that Satan Lucifer rules the earth. Therefore, O mighty and terrible Lord of darkness, said Jimmy, walking towards the unconscious man, we entreat you that you receive and accept this sacrifice which we offer to you on behalf of this assembled company upon whom you have set your mark that you may make us prosper in fullness and length of life under thy protection. He lifted the knife and carved an upside down cross into the unconscious man's forehead. The man's eyes then flipped open and he started to scream. Yeah, I bet. Jimmy hit him in the back of the head with the handle of the knife and the man slumped over unconscious again. Jimmy did all of this without blinking or missing a breath. He spoke again. 
In the unity of unholy fellowship, we praise and honor first thee, Lucifer, morning star, and Beelzebub, lord of regeneration, then Belial, prince of the earth, and angel of destruction, Leviathan, beast of revelation, Abaddon, angel of the bottomless pit, and Asmodeus, demon of lust. We call upon the mighty names of Astaroth, Nurgle, and Behemoth, of Belphegor, Adramelich, and Balbarith, and all of the names of the formless ones, the mighty and innumerable hosts of hell, by whose assistance may we be strengthened in mind, body, and will. And then he knelt in front of the man and slit his throat. <sighs> Blood sprayed the group's clothes red. Jimmy then dug in the knife and pulled it down to the man's sternum. He was carving him up like an animal. Oh, God. William snuck back to the brush while the men spoke to one another, and then he ran as fast as he could back to the carnival. He couldn't believe it. His co-workers were satanic killers. Were these guys regularly making sacrifices to the Prince of Darkness, killing in city after city? Yeah. Carnival workers by day, devil-worshipping murderers by night? Yes. Worship of Satan or some other evil deity is just as old as religion itself. The word Satan was not originally a proper name, but rather an ordinary noun meaning the adversary. In this context, it appears at several points in the Old Testament. Prior to the composition of the New Testament, the idea developed within Jewish communities that Satan was the name of an angel who had rebelled against God and been cast out of heaven along with his followers. Satan was then featured in part to the New Testament, where he was presented as a figure who tempted humans to commit sin. During the Middle Ages, the Inquisition attached to the Catholic Church alleged that various heretical Christian sects and groups, such as the Knights Templar and the Cathars, performed secret satanic rituals. In the subsequent early modern period, belief in a widespread satanic conspiracy of witches resulted in mass trials of alleged witches across Europe and the North American colonies. The idea of a vast satanic conspiracy became popular in the 80s and 90s, called the Satanic Panic. Rumors of satanic ritual abuse and murder spread throughout the United States and the United Kingdom. In most of these historical cases, there was no evidence whatsoever that any of the accused of Satanism were actually practitioners of a Satanic religion or even guilty of any of the allegations leveled at them. Religious Satanism, the actual religious worship of Satan, is extremely rare. Most Satanic churches don't include a belief in or worship of Satan or any deities at all. Most so-called Satanists believe in a form of humanistic atheism that includes philosophic principles designed or to live one's life by. Principles that include an aggressive rejection of religion, especially Christianity. But what William witnessed that night in Ohio was different. What he witnessed was what people worried about the satanic panic were actually afraid of. A group of people actually killing in order to please the devil they very much believed in. William should have gone to the police, but he didn't. The more he thought about it, he actually found the idea of Satanism, despite what he'd witnessed appealing Ugh. maybe he'd finally have real friends maybe he too would be able to kill to please a dark master who would then give him power he'd never had any real power in life most of the carnival customers seemed to look down on him wow. maybe this would change all that if satan was real maybe william would be rewarded in some way for worshiping him william approached jimmy days after witnessing the murder i know you and the others are satanists he said and i want to join jimmy looked at him with a cool detached gaze same look he'd given the unconscious man back in the woods. Jimmy measured him and then told him that he and the other guys would set up a time for William's initiation. Later that day, Mark Goodwin told William to meet them on a certain corner that night. It was September 25, 1991. William saw the group standing around and was told that they were waiting for a friend. A couple minutes later, a woman named Brenda arrived in a car to pick them all up. She drove them down Morningstar Road, and when William asked where they were going, Keith said, 
We're looking for some place where we won't be disturbed. Ugh. Brenda then dropped them off in a field. They walked for a couple of minutes until Jimmy found what he was looking for, a door someone had abandoned and left out in the woods, next to the rubble of some old home. Lie down, he told William. Oh my god. Close your eyes. Oh no. William followed his commands. He hoped this would all turn him into something stronger, something powerful. Uh Uh-uh. He felt pressure on his arms, then on his legs, and then on his mouth. When he opened his eyes, he was gagged and his limbs were tied together. He tried to make eye contact with any one of the men, hoping for a reassuring nod, but no one would look at him. His heart started to pound, and then he heard Jimmy start to chant. Before the mighty and ineffable Prince of Darkness in the presence of all the dread demons of the pit and this assembled company, I acknowledge and confess my past error. William realized too late that this was no initiation. They were going to kill him. He was going to be another sacrifice. Using Keith Lawrence's knife, Jimmy stabbed William in the stomach. He then cut William from his stomach to his throat. (sighs) William screamed, but the gag muffled it. Mark, David, and Keith approached, chanting softly over and over, Hail Satan! Hail Satan! Hail Satan! They cut inverted crosses into William's arms and slashed at his chest. Jimmy then leaned over William and cut a gash big enough into his chest for him to put his hand in. He reached into the hole below William's sternum and felt around in the blood and muscle. He could feel William's heart pushing blood, pumping just a few inches from his fingers. William was somehow barely still alive. Oh my God. Jimmy knelt down next to William and placed a hand on his forehead. Are you ready to die? He asked. And then without waiting for an answer, Jimmy leaned over him and slit his throat. And William was no more. My God. Jimmy, Mark, and Keith then cut off William's head. Ugh. Cut his hands off, tried to burn him. What the fuck? But it was a damp night and the fire wouldn't take. Instead, they buried his remains, but not before they took money from his pockets. And then the group walked down the road, careful to have cleaned off any blood they'd gotten on them with water and rags. And they stumbled upon, of all places, an Arby's that was open late. What? With William's money. Oh my god. They ordered dinner, laughing, drinking soda, eating roast beef sandwiches, dipping french fries and ketchup. Were these guys able to do all this so casually because they were sociopaths? Maybe, maybe not. While psychologists have ranged in estimates between 1 in 25 and 1 in 200 people being sociopaths, it is of course possible that four sociopaths could come together as friends. But statistically unlikely. Sociopaths usually don't work together. They're usually too self-centered, not communally devoted to some mythic being. These men were different. They'd made it clear again and again that they would do anything for Satan. Had they really contacted some dark entity? Some being that gave them the ability to kill and not care? Some being that made them want to kill? No. Three months later, William Alt's remains were found in the woods. And a few months after that, the four men responsible for his death were discovered and tried for his murder. Good. Investigators didn't have any other bodies to connect them to additional murders. Who knows how many others' remains are hidden somewhere out in the forests of North America. Keith Lawrence pled guilty to conspiracy to commit murder, received a 50-year sentence, 20 years suspended. His brother David pled guilty to assisting a criminal and received eight years. Mark Goodwin pled guilty to assisting a criminal and battery committed by means of a deadly weapon. He received eight years for each charge to be served concurrently. Jimmy, the ringleader, the most devoted Satanist, was given a 60-year sentence without parole in exchange for keeping the death penalty off the table. And as far as we know, Jimmy is still in prison. Good. Both David and Mark are out. Oh. And Keith will be joining them sometime in the next year. Did any of them ever express any real remorse for what they did? No. But when he was asked about it after being sent to prison, Keith Lawrence did say that Satanism was, quote, like a drug. You get high, and once you're over it, you've got to inject even more than the first time. 
So will they return to their worship of the Dark Lord on the outside? Is the devil real and can he convince you to kill? You'll never know unless you worship and call upon him. And based on this tale, I wouldn't recommend trying to find out. Yikes! That guy's going to find us. He's going to hear this story and he's going to find us and he's going to tie us down and kill us. Why would you do that? <laughs> Why would I put our lives at risk like that? I'm fucking serious, bro. Isn't that a crazy story? It's like a, that's Where, like a where's feels like an urban legend. Uh, I don't know. I don't have that in my notes. Um, and actually, it was very hard to find. I mean, there were actually the, this first picture is a little bit of like a newspaper clipping. I mean, this I'm not just making this up. We You, you could find out if you wanted online. Somebody where find they're, out. <laughs> where they're imprisoned. Find out. Make sure it's not anywhere close to fucking Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. And uh, yeah. I'm and, scared. Uh, no, I think it's Ohio. I think it's Ohio. Where we go regularly, <laughs> my friend. Uh, I have family there. They're going to find my family. Oh, man. And as retaliation for telling this story. Well, now, you, now you've helped them out. You just told them where your family was. I didn't tell them where they were. Narrowed down the state. Dude. <laughs> and then Jimmy Pen- state. Jimmy Pennick is this next picture. This is the ringleader. The, the only picture I could find, a lot of looking online, is, is a, a prison photo. I'm, so that's the guy that's in a you know prison for life. That's the ringleader. I have nothing negative to say about him. <laughs> you don't want backlash online if you have a negative opinion about anything. Um, no, no, I don't want him. Oh, you don't to want tell him to find the guys. You. you know what happens when what? ringleaders are stuck in prison, but their minions are get out. Have you never watched a mob movie? Yeah. He is going to tell them to come find us. Oh man, now we're on a satanic. I am I am in the satanic panic now. Thank now, God we're having cameras installed at our house. And here's what's crazy about this story. This last picture, this is not the guys. Check this I know, out. I was like, who are these people? This is three other carnies charged with capital murder and the fatal shooting of a couple at a Kansas fair whose bodies were found days later in shallow graves in a national forest in Arkansas back in 2008 or 2018, excuse me. That's it, like yesterday, 2018. I know. I, know. I googled carnival murders freaked out by how many different recent murders there have been really yeah like i was like get the fuck out so many so our fears are founded in our something fears very are real. somewhat founded our fears are somewhat founded i mean it does make sense that if oh you're God. if there's not background checks and uh, there's not great wages and it's like you know you, you want to like just get away from your like that is the job that would attract like there there's there is some truth behind the stereotype sure and makes sense. obviously and i feel like i have to say this with everything in today's oh, times oh please don't upset anybody who's listening who oh can't God, fucking it, differentiate it, i know if you're a carney and you haven't killed anybody i fucking get it and not talking about all carnies no but, but, but it's just but, like, but it's like the nature of that job um yeah is going to attract yeah. more you know uh people with shady pasts than maybe a surgeon i mean you know, you know, Dan. I don't know that you should make that blanket statement. It's not. It's not very politically correct of True. you. But mm-hmm. you are right. Thank you. You're Thank welcome. you. That's that was fucking terrifying. Right. He That's... just wanted to be in their little club. I know. Well, he picked a bad club to want to be a part. I of. mean, I know, but. He he wasn't gonna rat them out. I wonder if that's like what happened if if they thought he was gonna rat them out. Like, mm. why did they just decide to fucking murder him? Probably. Probably they had their own little, you know, he wasn't their buddy. Yeah. And they, maybe they had like a quota. They, had a, they thought they had some kill quota for Satan. Yeah. Yeah. They maybe their they group was at max capacity. They weren't hanging out with him before. I mean, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't want to speculate too much. Is Because uh, you're nervous that like if we talk about it too much, they're going to find you? No, I was actually thinking more about like his family, like like the victims. It's, like, it's a different kind of story that way. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like because I, I would be totally speculating. I don't know. I don't know why they didn't want to hang out with William. Yeah. I mean, I don't know either, but he did just want to be their friend. He wasn't, 
Yeah. He was just a lonely guy. He was in the carnival. He was, he was a sad guy who'd watched him sacrifice people and wanted to be in, in on the fun. So if that detail well, is, he is just, true. I, I, I take it more as like he was just somebody who was lost in life. Sure, sure, And just sure. wanted to belong to something. He was someone who didn't always, ha- didn't ever have like a tight-knit group of friends. He was always on the outskirts and he didn't ever, I mean, he didn't ever have any power in mm-hmm. life, he felt. So, you know, he just wanted to be a part of something that made him feel inclusive. I think that happens all the time. But not with satanic groups. But yes, on but, well, apparently uh, not with satanic groups. I thought you could just join a satanic group the way you could join a church. You can, and again, uh, this is the rarest form of satanism. Most of it's just atheism with yeah. uh, bells and whistles, right? Right, just a little bit of like a like a fuck you to, to religion. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. Uh, but occasionally there is the theological or the theist, you know, like uh, somebody who 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 not who actually worships the Christian version of the devil. Sure, sure, which is. Strange. I um, oh, you said something early Excuse on me. that I was like, oh, I wish I could interject and say something. No, I can't remember. Um, Satanism. Shoot. Okay. Yeah. I lost it. Like I talked about that in time suck. Like Levian Satanism, most Satanism, Temple of Satan had nothing to do with this kind of stuff. Right. 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 Yeah. Yikes. But the yeah. other guy's gonna be in prison forever. Jimmy. That's what. Yeah. Sixty years, and he looked like. That would yeah. make him quite old if he got out. He's, he's not going to be. He's not going to be Satan's like you know favorite hitman by the time he gets out. Probably not. Gonna, Why did they have to do it in Ohio? Hitting hitting people up at the nursing home for sacrifices. When was the last time you went to a carnival? Oh man, so I don't know. I mean, I've been to the like a true carnival many years. I've been well, to the fair. To me, they're the same. How are they different? Oh yeah, I guess, I guess they are the same. I think of like well, because <laughs> there was a, the thing that came to Riggins in my mind is like the classic old school traveling carnival. Yeah, where it wasn't attached to a fair. We don't have a fucking fair in Riggins. It was just like a right, a, like literally called a carnival, like something carnival. Yeah, and it just traveled and it had like five shitty rides and maybe like ten games of chance. And, you know, employed entirely by people who look like, like, if you were casting a movie and you're like, I need some murderous henchmen, you'd be like, any of these guys will do. Okay. Okay. Yeah. But have you, like, because I've taken the kids to the fair. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think about, like, you ever, like, well, just from from traveling for so so many years for stand-up, like, you'll go into a town and there'll just be, like, a Kmart parking lot. Yeah. That'll have, like, a tilt-a-whirl and uh-huh. a few, like, things. That, to me, I'm like, that's straight-up carnival. That's not out in the proper fairgrounds. Oh. That's not, I mean, but it, it's the same thing. And this guy like, was part of the fair. Like, so, like, they're one in the same. Maybe, maybe a carnival is a smaller version of a fair? It's it's the same. I think it's it's it's, it's my own stuff. Well, well, I don't know, because, like, I don't okay. think there's a proper differentiation. Well, well. Well, I think a, I think a carnival can be a fair, but like, like that thing in the parking lot would not also be called a fair. I don't think. I, I, I don't know. know. I'm not. A, I don't have a PhD in carnival. <laughs> well, where I grew up, uh, and I don't know if this was just like a colloquialism to yeah. the suburbs that I grew up in, but in Ohio, growing up, we had home days, and home days were in basically every mm. city. So it's like you'd go to the Strongsville home days, you'd go to the Brook Park home days, Parma home days, like every. You know, yeah. I lived in this city here and all yeah, yeah, the yeah. cities around all me the had suburbs. them. And they were usually in like a town square mm-hmm. and there would be a bunch of rides and, you know, a bunch of shitty junk food. But for us, what it yeah. was is that, you know, when you're 14, 15, 16, like high school years, there's not a lot of things for you to actually go out and do. So that it was like the social event yeah. of the summer. Like, hey, are you going to Brook Park Home Days? Oh mm-hmm. yeah, I'm going with so-and-so. And like the outfits and the makeup and like you were... Put, up, put on some tight outfits and get whistled at by Carney? No, you were trying oh. to impress boys from other high schools. Oh, yeah. 
But so that was home day. So that would have been, I guess, like a fair because or the carnival, Mm -hmm. because then the fair did properly come through. It would be at the Cuyahoga County Fairgrounds and there would be bands like like big stages. And I mean, I think sometimes it would get pretty big acts to come in and play concerts. And it was a much, much bigger thing where there were also animals and wrote. I mean, I don't know if we had rodeo so much, but like there was yeah. an element of that, like 4-H club probably oh, presented yeah. their pigs. So right. there must be a difference between carnival and fair. Or maybe it's like, maybe it's like major league baseball. You got like the, you got like the, the, oh. the, the big show, Yeah, you know, you made it on like the, then there's like triple A ball and then yeah. there's double A and there's single A and then there's random like summer leagues and winter leagues. I didn't even so know there like, was single A. I only knew triple A. Mm-hmm. So I don't know anything. So that's maybe there's, okay. We, okay. we can talk about, we could talk, we could speculate about carnies all if, day. If anybody wants to tell us. No. Okay, cool. <laughs> this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What are the things that weigh you down on a day-to-day basis? What kind of stress are you holding on to? Do you spend much of your day going over things in your brain over and over until they are so distracting it affects your mental health? Well, don't worry. You're not alone. We all carry different stressors, some big, some small. When we keep things bottled up, the results can be negative. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest without fear or judgment. It's a place to work through what is heavy on your mind and heart so that you can feel lighter and happier. I'm always holding on to something. It's the way my anxious brain works. I'm continually worried that I've done something wrong, that I've hurt the feelings of someone I love, and that I have let someone down. I'm stressed that I'm not being a good enough mom or wife. I panic that our life will implode at any given moment and it'll all be my fault. Thankfully, I have an amazing therapist who helps me talk through each of these scenarios. After each and every appointment, I feel lighter, happier, and more capable of showing up as my most authentic self. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash scared to death today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash scared to death. Summer is just around the corner. Who's excited? I know I am. With the warmer, sunnier days calling your name, the last place you're going to want to be is in your kitchen, cooking and meal prepping. Make your life easier with Factors No Prep, No Mess Meals. Factors Never Frozen, Always Fresh Meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. Think of all the extra time you will get outside in the summer sun when you aren't wasting hours in the kitchen. I think I speak for everyone when I say that the summer is the busiest time of the year. We are all trying to cram in as many things as possible, from concerts to vacations and everything in between. With Kyler home from college and Monroe on her break too, I want to spend as much time as possible with them. And while I truly love to cook, the summer is the one time of year that I'm the least interested in doing that for three meals a day. So I lean on Factor to help keep me healthy and in step with my diet. I'm obsessed with the honey yogurt pancakes for breakfast, the pork El Pastor for lunch, and the cilantro lime barramundi for dinner. So easy and saves me so much time. Head to factormeals.com slash scared to death 50 and use code scared to death 50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code scared to death 50 at factormeals.com slash scared to death 50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style and you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. 
Ashley, for the love of home. <laughs> Let's get to our next tale. Uh, an urban legend from Japan. Oh, I really like this one. Uh, I, I don't like how much you like it. Okay, a little bit of setup. All right. Uh, and then we'll get into it. So what, so what makes an urban legend? As a kid, you may have heard uh, you know, some variation of the story about a boy and a girl who park their car you know, out in the woods to fool around the make-out spot. Yeah. When they hear something, the boy goes off to investigate, and after watching him walk away, the girl waits in terror for him to return. Eventually, the police show up, and when they lead the girl away from the car, the boy still having not, you know, ha- having not returned, they caution her to not turn around. Then she does, and she sees her boyfriend's corpse hanging from a tree branch above the car. So this is like one urban legend. Mm-hmm. How long has he been there? Who or what did that to him? Or maybe you've heard the one about the hitchhiker who sat next to the truck driver for hours only to watch the driver disappear into mist once they arrived at their destination. Ah. Or what about the, the girl who came back to her dorm room, went to bed without turning on the lights because she didn't want to disturb her roommate. Then she woke up the next morning to see her roommate's mutilated dead body Ugh. lying in the bed and the words, aren't you glad you didn't turn on the light, scrawled in blood on the wall. What? I've never heard that one. There's just a variety of ones that are fairly common. Creepy. You know, these urban legends have been around for decades, exchanged in conversation, and as technology has evolved, more recently via, via emails and then social media. Right, right. YouTube. But it wasn't until the 1980s that someone coined the term urban legend. Jan Harold Brunbond, professor of English at the University of Utah, introduced it to the general public in his collection of legends, The Vanishing Hitchhiker, American Urban Legends, and Their Meanings. He made two points. First, that legends and folklore do not occur exclusively in quote-unquote primitive or traditional societies. And second, that you can learn a lot about a culture from its urban legends. You can learn what a culture's people fear the most. Sometimes that fear doesn't change much over time. And that's why many urban legends of the 40s and 50s still circulate today. Same stuff still scares us. And some urban legends spread from country to country because they are universally and timelessly terrifying. And some think when something sticks around for years... When people around the world also fear it, is it maybe because there's a chance that at least a part of it is true? I hope not. Time now for the tale of the legend of Teke Teke. There are several versions of this legend. I'm going to tell the one most commonly told. A story about Kashima Reiko, a normal Japanese teenage girl. While there's no way for one person to, you know, uh, represent all Japanese teenagers, the realities of life are, are a bit different than those in America and Western Europe than in Japan. So there is a different type of normal Japanese teenager compared to a normal uh, American teenager. Okay. Primarily because respect for authority is heavily ingrained in Japanese culture more than it is in most places. Japanese teens are typically a lot more supervised, prevented from dating and hanging out without an adult presence. I like this. Generally dependent on their families for longer, more sheltered. Although Japanese teens graduate from high school around the age of 18, the legal age of adulthood in Japan is still 20. Oh. And it won't drop to 18 until 2022. Wow. Well, soon. 20 is when Japan's young people be, uh, become legally able to drink. Uh, smoke, gamble, apply for a a phone, credit card, loan contracts without consent from their parents. So like many Japanese teens, Kashima Reiko was more sheltered than her North American or Australian or European counterparts. She was especially sheltered even for a Japanese teen. Her friends knew her as someone who could be very shy and sometimes gullible. She fell for a lot of their pranks. They didn't prank her to be mean exactly. They just wanted to see her reactions and have a good laugh. If they gave her something gross to eat, she made the funniest faces trying to pretend she enjoyed it. If they jumped out at her from behind doors, her screams could be heard from blocks away. She was often the butt of their jokes, but not because they didn't like her. They just liked having fun with her, even if it was a bit at her expense. Okay, okay. 
and one day Kashima and her group of friends were heading home from school. Their high school was in the city and they lived in the suburbs, and they took a train back and forth between the two places. While waiting on the train platform, one of her friends spotted a cicada crawling in the dirt. He eyed Kashima, who was standing near the edge of the platform looking at her phone, and he grinned. This will get her good, he thought. He scooped up the cicada into his open palm. Hey, Kashima, he called. I have something to show you. She looked up. What is it? He walked over to her, and she peered down into his hands, and then just as he opened his hands, the cicada flew up directly into her face. Just as she started screaming and waving her arms around, trying to get the bug out of her face, and her friends started laughing, a train rounded the corner, coming in fast as oh it pulled God. into the station. While trying to get the bug out of her face, Kashima's foot slipped off the edge of the platform, and before her friend's eyes, she tumbled down into the train tracks, and they heard her scream quickly get cut off. And when her friends ran to the edge of the platform and looked down to where Kashima had fallen, it was now their turn to scream. There lay Kashima, her eyes open, looking at them. They saw the blood around her. They saw the gore. Their friend, the girl they had just played one last prank on, had just been split in half. Oh my god. The train had completely bisected her at the oh. waist. Horrified, her friends panicked and took off running. They could hardly believe what they'd seen. That night and for many nights after, when they would lay in their beds and close their eyes, they'd see Kashima in her final moments. They'd see her glassy eyes, her foot twitching slightly. They'd see the mangled knot of her spine separated from the lower half of her body. They'd never regretted anything they'd done more, but they also never talked to the police. What? They didn't want to risk getting in trouble. They were nearly done with high school, but still kids. They didn't want to ruin their futures. But the guilt of feeling responsible, even if by accident for Kashima's gruesome death haunted them. When they couldn't handle reliving her death, when they would lay awake in their beds with their eyes open, they could hear a scratching sound. Oh. The sound of something else that they'd seen but they would tell no one about. The sound of Kashima's hands scratching at the ground as she tried to pull herself up immediately after the accident, as though she didn't know yet that she'd lost her legs, as though she didn't know that she was as good as dead. And while she certainly did die that day, some believe that some form of her lives on in another sinister way. Some believe that since her death, her angry spirit haunts the living and sometimes kills them. Sometime after her accident, a young boy was walking not far from that same train station. When he looked up at the high-rise homes around him, he saw a beautiful young woman in one of the windows. She had her arms propped up on the windowsill and she was staring at him. He realized the window was open, and when he saw her hair fluttering in the wind, she looked nice, he thought, but lonely. So he waved. As soon as she waved back, the girl smiled, hugged herself by the elbows, and then fell out of the window. Yeah. The boy started to scream. Had, he, had she just witnessed her falling and dying? And then he realized he should have been screaming for an entirely different reason. The girl was missing the lower half of her body. Whoa. He saw her on the ground beneath the building. She was coming for him. She was pulling her mangled remains towards him, clawing at the ground. Uh. He tried to run, but he was frozen. All he could hear was the scrape of what was left of her body dangling behind her. Oh, God. Helpless, he just stood there until she reached him. And then the last thing he felt, the last thing he heard, was his own body being torn in half. What? The next morning, looking out from a train, travelers on their commute swore they now saw a boy with no legs crawling into the sewer. What? Finally, according to this legend, after either hearing this story or the sounds of teke teke, Kashima will visit you in three days, ask you a riddle, usually in a dream. Are you fucking kidding me? And the only way to escape suffering the same fate as that boy is to answer her questions exactly the right way. 
She will ask, do you need your legs? And you must reply, I need them right now. And then she will ask, who told you my story? And you must reply, Kashima Reiko. Ka is in mask. She is in death. Ma is in demon. Rei is in ghost. Ko is in accident. And if you answer her riddle without making any mistakes, she may let you live. Jesus. And if you don't, she may decide to turn you into whatever she herself has become. So I've got three days to memorize those answers? Yeah, three days. I'm like, I'm trying, what do I have to say again? <laughs> it's not funny. You oh, have, you're so lucky we're traveling together. We have, you have three days. She says, do you need your legs? And you say, I need, I need them right now. I need them right now. And okay. Then she, and then she'll ask, who told you my story? And you must reply, Kashima Reiko. Kashima Reiko. Kashima Reiko. I'm going to have to get that like permanently <laughs> inscribed on my hand for the next three days. Here's some pictures of what this Sharpie? thing looks like. I don't want to see this thing. So this is, you know, uh, from there's there's a there's an little image of yeah. Kashima crawling towards the it's screen. Awful. <laughs> Not even looking. Oh God bless America. And then there's another one here. You can see circled in the background somebody's, you know, depiction, uh, photo depiction of what she she's coming after this girl here. Oh, so that's like a selfie. Someone. Uh, like, there's a movie. There's a movie that's been done about okay, this okay, since. Okay. Okay. And then and then there's one more ticket uh, ticket image. Stop saying it. There she is holding up to her remains. Yeah. Yeah, there is a 2009 uh, horror movie, Japanese horror movie called Teke Teke. Uh, I haven't seen it. I watched the trailer and it, and it looks, I would say it looks okay. Yeah. Uh, also, it's, it tells a slightly different version of the story because, you know, a lot of these uh, with folklore, legend, you know, this, uh, the version changes a little bit from story to story. I need my legs right now. Isn't that, isn't that a creepy story? Hey, hold on. I need my legs right now. Mm-hmm. To Shisha, what? I need them right now. You're not supposed to say legs. I need them right now. I need them and right now. Who told you my story? Who told you? Kashida. You You're as fucking good as dead. <laughs> I know. Tell me again, Dan. Kashima Reiko. Kashima Reiko. Kashima Reiko. Do you uh, have a Sharpie uh, no, handy? No, we can talk about it after the show. I <sighs> don't want to wait. You got, you got a couple days. <laughs> She's going to come in three days. That doesn't mean uh -huh. that she'll come. She could come between now and. No, no, no. Three days. You got to wait three days. She'll come three days from now. Three sleeps? That's the, that's the legend. Three sleeps from now or like exactly? I don't know. I don't fucking talk to her. That's what it says. Three days. You can't tell me that I have three days to live I mean, and not give me the I mean, exact. I'll text her. I'll text her after the show. I'll fucking kill you, Dan. Listen, listen you crazy bitch. When are you, coming, when are you coming to kill my wife? Well, just so you know, your sleep is now fucked for the next three days. Does she come in your sleep? Yeah, usually in a dream. Okay. Because you said she asks a riddle. Yeah, like in your dream is when you... I mean, again, we're talking about... You're you know, so screwed. This isn't, this isn't like... Um, <laughs> this is like all formalized. This isn't like uh, you know, like a business you got to go to where yeah, you get to fill out this application. You get this is just like some is a story. I don't care. They're all just stories. I know. They all they all are. But but I don't, but I don't I don't know like uh, exactly. She doesn't. It, it says in this one she doesn't always. Show, it says usually in your dream she can like like I mean you could just wake she up. She just crawl in yeah, right now. Yeah, she, you could just like uh, go to use the bathroom for example in oh, the middle of fuck. night. Why would you say that? And then she could just come up our stairs from the basement. But like she would just come right past the drums. And then she'd probably, hey she'd probably meet you right by the door there. Hey, babe. Mm -hmm. You're so fucked. Because now when I have to get up in the yeah, middle of the night to that. pee, <laughs> when I have to get up. I picture that noise kind of like. I wasn't talking. Okay. Hmm? Mm -hmm. When I get up in the middle of the night, guess who's getting up to take me to the bathroom? Oh, God. Mm -hmm. I got to run security. Yeah. You're going to have to go downstairs. 
check the basement. But all this can happen is she comes up the stairs and I'm there and I answer it right. And then she's like, you know, what about, what about Lindsay? Whatever. I'm like, yeah, oh, is that how she talks? Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to be like, she's just, she's, she'll be out of the bathroom in just a second. <laughs> <laughs> Please wait your turn. Yeah, she's almost done. <laughs> Take a number. <laughs> well, all right, Dan. Thanks for that. Creepy story. Teke, teke. Teke, teke. Now, I want to say something that she probably won't like. Okay. You know those little, like, hot Cheetos? Yeah. Aren't they called, like, Takis? Oh, I have no idea. So now all I can think about is... Hot Cheetos? I don't know. I don't even know what you're talking about. I, th- I think it's maybe Spanish in origin. Literally no idea what you're talking it's about. Like, I don't know. Come on, producer Joe. Do you know what I'm yeah, talking yeah, about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Takis. 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 They're hot Cheetos, right? Yeah, in yeah. a sense. Like, rolled up chips. Huh. Rolled never, up chips. Okay, rolled up chips. Huh? i never heard of that. And by the way, I think a difference between a carnival and a fair is if there's animals there, it's a fair. Oh, thank you, Joe. I didn't look it up, though, so I might be wrong, too. Okay, just guessing as well. All right. 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 Okay, well, before we dive into all the fun that I have for you in Canada Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. Utah, we got this email. um, Excuse me. We got this email from a fan uh, who didn't leave their name, so we'll just... Not. Okay. But they say, in the Winchester episode, Dan states that poltergeist is a term for an entity that mm-hmm. haunts a house, which isn't entirely true, but there's different types of ghosts in general. And I just thought this was kind of like fascinating. Okay. He just says, I don't want to be that guy. <laughs> sure. But I just thought that you might be yeah, interested yeah. in this. Okay, cool. So a poltergeist being the German sourced noisy ghost right. or noisy spirit, they are the worst of the worst. Yeah. Physical damage to both yourself and the house, bruises, scratches, moving furniture, and other objects with hostility being the main focus, and they are mean. So poltergeists are mean, mean. noisy, and the worst. Okay. Then there's a specter. They're visible to the human eye and usually cannot disturb physical objects in the world, including bodily harm. But not always, as there can be subtypes, such as a poltergeist specter, which can be both felt and heard. Okay. Okay. Then you have a banshee. They tend to be auditory only, such as hearing voices in the walls or even sounds in the walls like scratches or footsteps. And once again, it's a subtype. Okay. And so he just says, there's many entities that fall Mm -hmm. into subcategories where they can seem like they are all types of ghosts with no apparent limit to their power. This is once again only information that matters if you actually believe in ghosts in the first place. Yeah. So I thought it was just kind of like, okay. That that is interesting. Yeah, for sure. And and I will say that with a lot of these, you know, when you go into different... and this is on my brain a little bit because on Time Stuck, we're doing a folklore episode mm-hmm. that I'm doing right now about Baba Yaga mm. and, and, you know, and a lot of these, which is like the origin of like witches and stuff. And there is a lot of this stuff, even like the nomenclature, the terms is somewhat speculative yeah. because, you know, it'll mean this in this region. It'll mean this yeah, in this yeah. country. It'll mean this, but that, but that is good. But I will say that all these are, are a little fluid. Because, Absolutely. you know, you get a hundred, like, you know, ghost experts in a room. Oh, yeah. They're not, they're going to be like, well, actually, you know, there's going to be a lot but of I that. There's, there's going to like, well, <laughs> there's going to be a lot of like, how maybe. How are they going to do it? <laughs> I don't want to. That's, that's, that's you I'm make talking. the weirdest sounds, you know? Uh-huh. Yeah. That's what I've heard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that's good. But that's good. I mean, that, that's, that, that's a great, fun. yeah, that's a great overview. It was overview. a little, it was no, a little. Lo- extra info. I love it. A little tidbit. Yeah, I like tidbits. A little something for Thank you. Ya. Thank you, anonymous tidbitter. Tidbitter? We, we, like, we like a paranormal information here. All right. Are you ready to go to Canada where you're not allowed to go? Okay. Mm. Dan is banned from Canada for anybody who doesn't couple, know. Just for a couple more years. Okay. I, I, when's that ever going to end? I don't know. I don't know. Okay. Ready? <laughs> yeah. Spaghetti, go. Th- this story, actually, I was like, okay, hot dang. 
Dear Queen of the Darkness and Master Sucker who is spooky. I've been a massive fan of Time Suck for a couple years now and absolutely love the new Scared to Death podcast. Yes. Three out of five stars. Ah, uh, nice. Nice. Nice little Time Suck joke. Mm. My, my fiance and I watch it every week and love how we get goosebumps through each and every story. Yes. I apologize in advance for the long email, but I was compelled to share one story about the afterlife and my encounter with it after hearing some listeners' experiences. Throughout my childhood, I have had situations with ghosts and haunted dolls, but nothing has happened to me as an adult until I started college. Okay. When I was in college, my school was located in an old asylum for the mentally disturbed in Toronto, Canada. You know the type. Murderers who were deemed insane, schizophrenics, autistic, bipolar, you get it. Yeah, they would just put a lot of people, yeah. Yeah. They had converted this old creepy campus in, with multiple buildings into a college in the 70s. This one particular building is known to be haunted, and the school has even used it to turn it into a haunted house <laughs> for tours for the public at Halloween. Lucky for me, this is where almost <laughs> all of my fucking classes would be for the next four years. Awesome. Oh my heck. <laughs> One day, minding my own business in class, listening to my professor talk about some bullshit that I've never used in my life, I hear a knocking coming from the other side of the wall next to my seat. I didn't think anything of it, passed it off as my imagination, but then it happened again. My professor tells me to knock it off, but I had to try and explain that it, that it wasn't me and it was next door knocking on the wall. Right. Here's the issue with that. The class is in the basement. The walls are concrete, and it's ah. fucking dirt on the other side of the wall. This was my first fuck-no experience in this class. <laughs> the very next week, being the good student I was, I showed up early to class. While waiting in the hall by myself, for the class to, before mine to end, I began to whistle. Because who doesn't like to pass time with a good old ditty? <laughs> Much to my surprise, around the corner... Out of sight, I can hear someone whistling back to me the same thing I was whistling. Oh. I was curious to see who this mystery person was. To my surprise, down the hall, I see this woman dressed in white walking towards me where I was standing. I can hear her whistling. She was maybe a hundred feet away from me, but I couldn't really make out any of her features. As she approaches the doorway, about 50 feet from me, she just vanishes, fucking disappears, fucking gone. I hauled ass out of that building and didn't go to school for two weeks. When I finally returned, it happened again, the same thing, but this time, I had friends with me. I had witnesses. I had told them previously what had happened, and they didn't believe me, and of course, mocked me for it. Called me names, asked me if my ghost girlfriend was in the room with us, and so on. <laughs> they ran out of the building faster than I did, and although terrified, vindication did feel so good. After the second time it happened, I did a bit of research because I wanted to know who this mystery lady was. Turns out this building was specifically dedicated for individuals who suffered from schizophrenia and bipolar disorder, but had committed violent crimes. Hmm. According to what I found, there was a nurse in this building who would sing and whistle to her patients. She was known at the, as the whistling nurse. The story goes that she fell in love with one of her patients, and when he died from reasons unknown, she became severely depressed. Mm -hmm. One day, she fell or jumped from the third-story oh. stairwell on the outside of the building, which resulted in her death right above the spot where I heard the fucking knocking. 
As you can imagine, my four years were filled with weird and spooky situations, such as smoke coming from the old crematorium that had been boarded shut and the chimney had been blocked with cement. But this was the most profound. Again, sorry for the long email. Wanted to share this story for a long time. Love the podcast. Love Time Suck. Hope to maybe get a shout out for my fiance, Leandra. Hi, Leandra. Hi, Leandra. As it would make her day. Keep on creeping, Vito. Thanks, Vito. Oh, man. I do not like that. Yeah, the apparition. But I guess like um, she wasn't trying to to hurt him like you talked about before. But she was trying to communicate with him. She was mimicking his whistle. Oh. I can't whistle for shit. But like, what if you're just like, that is, ding. And then all of a sudden, you just across the room, you just hear like a little bit yeah. of the, the echo of it. <gasps> uh-huh. Yeah, that would that would creep me out. Yeah. Yeah. And then knocking. Mm-hmm. Like, what? There's just. That, yeah, just that alone. Can you imagine, like, like? well, I mean, like, again, not to be like weird, but like, you know, like our basement, like any basement, but yeah. if we're down there, and then on the wall where there is just dirt on the other side, just to hear, like, somebody like, hello, you know, like, oh, my God. Eek. Eek. I'd be like, I'd be like, uh, take it, take it. Can you, can you get that? <laughs> take it, take it. Doors for you. Doors for you. <laughs> to your legs. <laughs> your legs are here. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> We're laughing about that now. And then like... Uh, Tonight's going to suck. Yeah, 11 o'clock tonight. So sorry. I didn't mean it. I was just kidding. We thought you had a sense of humor. You like a good joke. We are big fans of you. You are awesome. <laughs> I like I like the dance. Mm-hmm. You're the best. You're the best. So sorry, demons. I will share my legs with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Weird though, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it just feels... I don't know. But like also... Who the fuck turns an old insane <laughs> asylum into a college? <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, if if you take the, any kind of paranormal aspects out of it, if it's just if you're sure. looking at it, just like if you're somebody who doesn't believe in any of this stuff on any level, then I totally get it. It's like city planner. You're yep. like, this is a great space. Yeah, ex- especially exa- exactly. You're you're repurposing a government building. It's saving taxpayer money. All that stuff. It all makes sense on those levels. I know. I know. But still, people really need to look into this stuff a little bit more. I think. Are you ready for yeah, one more? Yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready. Okay. So this isn't like one long story. It's just like a series of weird little events that okay. happened to this family. Um, but for me, I, I, as I was reading it, it actually felt um, it has a very strong note of plausibility to me because it's like, I don't think that all hauntings have to be like some big, huge, dramatic one event thing. Right. Like to me, what I'm about to share with you, I'm like, oh, yeah. Uh, maybe that is what it would feel like if your house was haunted. Just okay. a little bit here and a little bit there and a little bit here oh, as opposed up. to just like, yeah. yeah, it all adds up and it all makes you crazy. I mean, that's okay. kind of what's happening okay. at our house now, right? <laughs> like slowly but surely. Right? Okay. No, no, but yes. Okay. Okay. Hello, Lindsay and Dan. My girlfriend and I are big fans of Scared to Death and have just recently begun to listen to Time Suck. Well, welcome to our weird world. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, before I get into this, let me apologize for this long story. It happened over the entire span of my life. So I think we find out later he's like in his 20s. Okay. Okay. I grew up in a small city in Utah in a place where the houses were fairly old. Growing up, my parents had always told me that the houses were built on top of what could have been old military camps or hospitals. So already off the bat, yeah. we're probably, we got some stuff hanging yeah. around, right? Yeah. Growing up, I had a fairly normal childhood. I lived with both my parents and I was the oldest of three kids. My family's always been religious, but also hardcore believers in the supernatural. Okay. Okay. 
It wasn't until I was about the age of seven that I realized something was up with our house. I would hear noises at night, mainly footsteps through the hallway leading to mine and my sister's bedroom. On occasion, I would see things that looked like sh- like a shadow pass by our kitchen into the bathroom or living room. It got to the point where I would run through the hall with my eyes closed just to use the bathroom in the middle of the night for fear of seeing someone or something. Right. There were multiple occasions where my parents would be alone in the basement after putting us kids to bed. They would hear footsteps and then the sound of running upstairs. One of them would inevitably come upstairs to check on us just to find everyone fast asleep. So the whole family's yeah, experiencing yeah, this. Just, yeah, multiple people hearing weird things. On the weekends, my parents worked late night jobs, leaving me and my younger siblings home alone. Being too young to actually be on our own, we would always need a babysitter. My parents brought in multiple babysitters, mm-hmm. including my grandmother and my aunts. All of them, after a while, refused to babysit us at oh night in our house. That's crazy that the grandma's like, nah. Uh-huh. You Check this out. Good luck on your own. My grandmother claimed to see a very tall man standing in the doorway of the basement Uh, watching her. uh. She also said one night she heard what sounded like a bowling ball dropping from the ceiling onto the floor upstairs. She, of course, rushed upstairs to check on us and found all of us fast asleep. She couldn't find anything to explain the sound that she had heard. My aunt only made it one night in our house. She was unable to sleep because she swore as well someone was watching her when she slept. She said she heard whispering, and then she saw the tall figure standing in the basement doorway, just as my grandmother had claimed. Oh, my God. The basement freaked us kids out, too. We stopped playing down there unless our parents were with us, even though that's where most of our toys were. My parents tried to keep most of this from us when we were younger, not wanting to spook us. Yeah. However, whenever something weird would happen, such as stuff going missing or the sinks turning on by themselves, they would blame it on Charlie. To this day, my parents can't explain why they named the presence in our house Charlie. But me and my siblings all played along with it. Charlie became a normal thing in our house. Even my friends who came over knew about Charlie and his shenanigans. Living in the house for about four more years, another number of things happened. Mm -hmm. My mom would see mists at night going from her bedroom to my siblings' room. She had weird nightmares about something coming into our rooms attempting to get us. All of the doors would lock on their own as if someone was trying to keep my family in or possibly keep someone else out. Get out of this house. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. This is a massive GTFO. The strange occurrences were continual. One time during a fight my sister and I were having, a coat hanger came flying out of our closet and hit my sister in the face. All right, kids. uh, Get in the van. We're fucking out of here. The stories are endless. Finally, when I was about 11 in 2007... Our family decided to get the fuck out. Good, 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 good. We said goodbye to our home and goodbye to Charlie. Yeah. Or so we thought. Oh, my God. It's always, that's always the fear is that it follows you. After a short time in our new home, it was made clear that Charlie was still with us. We moved to an even smaller town in the countryside with my grandparents. The house was built for us. So I'm, the way they say this, I'm assuming like a brand new house. Oh, okay. okay. Okay, yeah. As far as we know, it was built on normal ground and not any kind of burial grounds or anything sure. like before. When we moved to the new house, there was basically no other houses in the surrounding area, right? They're out in the country. Yeah. We moved in on Christmas Eve and into the basement where my family would be living, but it was not yet finished. It would take another year and a half for the basement to finish, be finished enough for all of us to live in that portion. Over the course of a year, we all lived upstairs with my grandparents. My little brother, who was five, had made an imaginary friend. His name was Sloan, a name we thought was a little strange for a five-year-old to conjure up. 
My brother would come up with extensive knowledge about his friend, such as the fact that Sloan had no parents, but he liked our parents. And Sloan liked to play billiards, mm-hmm. specifically billiards, not yeah. pool, yeah, weird billiards, term. a game my brother nor my family ever played. We didn't even have a pool table. There was absolutely no reason for this five-year-old to know what this game was or how it was played, and yet he did. My parents and grandparents played along with the imaginary friend, and anytime something weird would happen, they would blame Sloan. And anytime my brother got into trouble, he would blame Sloan. They even went as far as making a stocking and small gifts at Christmas for Sloan. What? First Charlie, now Sloan. Uh Uh-huh. We eventually moved into the basement where my sister and I shared a room while my younger brother had his own room. For months after moving into our respective rooms, my brother would refuse to sleep in his room. He claimed to see white orbs flying out of his closet at night and that he was scared to be in his room. All right, kids, back in the van. We're going back to first house. We would let him have our dog, Shadow, sleep in his room to hopefully bring him some comfort, but it didn't help. My brother would claim that there would be times that he would hear growling sounds and get mad at Shadow only to find the dog sound asleep. Shadow passed away in 2018, and my brother, now 17, still claims to hear growling sounds on occasion. My parents continued to make my brother sleep in his own room despite the complaints. Over the years, though, things in his room did eventually seem to get better. He stopped talking about Sloan, but things in the house were always strange. On multiple occasions, my sister and I witnessed our closet doors opening and closing on their own with no explanation. We still see shadows walking from hallway to hallway, room to room. No thanks. My grandmother has also claimed to see a woman in a white dress in our kitchen. My dog, Kovu, will stare into the hallway, still barking and growling for no apparent reason. Even my cats have become skittish and run off from something we can't see. Everyone and everything in the house experiences odd occurrences. I'm 23 now and still live in the house with my family and my girlfriend lives with us as well. We have lived in this house for nearly nearly 12 years and things just grow more and more weird. (laughs) Just a few months ago, a picture frame lifted itself off the wall where it was hung up by a nail and crashed to the floor in the middle of the night, shattering glass and waking everyone upstairs awake. Things go missing, sinks turn themselves on, sometimes music from our stereo will just start playing. Yeah. Just a week ago, I was alone in my bathroom, which is connected to my room, where I heard footsteps walking towards me from the bedroom. I'm a total creeper and I love spooky stuff, but despite that, I hate being alone in this house Mm -hmm. and I always feel like I'm being watched. I refuse to leave my room in the middle of the night or look in any mirrors. Although the spiritual entity has never caused us any harm, I still hate feeling the way this place makes me feel. Yeah. I appreciate you taking the time to read it despite being so long. Thanks for an amazing podcast. Keep up the great work. Lexi. Thank you, Lexi. Doesn't that just feel like that's how it would be, though? Right, right. Just continual and things. Yeah, just a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And the sink turned on today. Mm-hmm. And then, like, three weeks later, a closet door opens. Like, it feels like it happens far enough right. apart that you kind of forget that things are happening. Yeah. And then when it happens, you're like, oh, wait. This other uh, thing happened. And they did get the fuck out. They did. They did get out. So I, I think the next move, Lexi, I imagine you're listening. I think the lowest risk thing you could do to try and fix it is to kill your grandma. She's the oldest. She shows up in both places. You're not gonna. It could be attached to her. You're not gonna know until you until you get rid of her. Yeah. Should we have a moment of silence for Lexi's grandma? <laughs> no, I don't know. I don't know. That'd be uh, terrible. 
<laughs> oh my god i just picked yeah just for a second there, i picture like since we don't know this person then be like all right got it and they just like push pause in the podcast and, grandma come here we gotta oh. talk about something no but yeah what do you that would be the they've, most they've all been in both yeah, houses yeah, also I know, I know. like who who is it attached to and it wasn't attached <sighs> the dog passed that'd be away. so depressing that'd be so dep- like if you if you uprooted your family mm-hmm. specifically to get away from some malevolent presence in your house. Yeah. And then you show up and then you're like, son of a bitch. Right. Like now now stuff is happening in the new place. Because then what do you do? Then you're just like, fuck, okay. Now you got to make peace. With it. Well, now you start bringing in, like, Lexi, I Exorcists. think. Right. I think yeah. now it's time to burn sage, salt the doorways, mm-hmm. uh, figure out what kind of like crystal, like whatever you think that you can kind of use to clean the space. I just got of it. Put a crystal necklace on your grandma. Make her wear a sage dress, burn her alive. Ding, ding, ding. You're genius. You're really next level, Dan. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. I'm so lucky I'm married to someone so smart. <laughs> no, but yeah, but you're, I mean, yeah, but you, yeah, I guess, I mean, I mean, why not? At that point, why not? Whether why not? you believe in that stuff or not. Well, and she well, said that they're religious. It. So I don't know. I mean, I don't know so, what your religion is, but whatever the cleansing ritual is for your religion, yeah. give that a go first and then go from there. Cause get like, what a do, priest in there. What do you have to lose? I don't get somebody in there. Yeah. No Ouija boards. Oh my God. No Ouija boards. Do not try and like talk to it. Mm. Don't try to bring it out. You're trying to send it uh. away. And honestly, the first thing I would do as a family, if everybody's on board, I would stand in like the main room of the house, everybody holding hands, like right, create a circle. Yeah. And then everyone envision like a white light, like close your eyes. Yeah. Envision a white light of protection. I mean, this is what everyone says. Okay. And then tell the spirit, like, it's time to go. You're safe. You're free. There's no space for you here. We don't mean you any harm. We know you don't mean us any harm, right. but it's time to go. You're not alive. Go. You gotta go. You just gotta like, push it out. Sloan, I know a nice ghost named Charlie at a different house. <gasps> Let me introduce you. Yeah, I'll hook up. Bring him back to the other house, and then absolutely, and then that person has two ghosts to deal with. And they can but, have but ghost good. babies. And they can, they can get some, they can ghost fuck. I bet it's awesome. Oh yeah, yeah. It's like so many moves you can do, right? You're <laughs> yeah. so bendy. You can float. Yeah. You could, you could like you could each be spinning like in different directions. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Like you just put the ghost penis in the ghost vagina, and like like, and then each person just spins one clockwise, now, I one thought, counterclockwise. I thought Sloan was a boy. I thought we had two oh, boys. So what? Okay, ghost penis and ghost butt. Yeah. And then each spins. So now they're gonna have to probably be facing the same direction, but like, yeah. But they're spinning clockwise, counterclockwise. So fun. Still a cool trick. I got I got um, two cool presents I want to show you. Yeah, I don't know who they're from because you brought back a box of things. Oh from... yeah, I know they're not like from Salt Lake City. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, and and thank you to the Salt Lake City. And we had to record this before Nashville. Thanks to the Nashville people in advance, who uh, we we will meet there and in Huntsville, Alabama. And yes, uh, big thank you to the to the Salt Lake City um, creeps and peepers. I'm really who, who bad. Gifts. I'm mm-hmm. really bad at remembering names, but in Huntsville, there's a super adorable couple. And last year they gave you like, um, they gave us a box and it had said like, here come the spoons or something. Oh, yeah. Everything was banana. Right. Um, no they, pressure to, to give multiple no. gifts, by the way. We never expect, just so everybody knows. You multiple gifts, you don't have to give any gifts. Any gifts. We never ever. expect any gifts. Never expect any, we're never going to be like, oh, fucking got a gift last year. No, you don't give a gift. <laughs> never never going to be upset. No, I just, but I remember this couple. Um, she's so cute. She has blonde hair. They have a little boy. I can picture the husband. But they gave us, they gave me a spoon and they gave mm-hmm. you, I think yours says Master Sucker and mine says oh, yeah, Queen yeah, of the yeah. Sock. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. yeah, I have fond memories of Huntsville, Alabama. Yes. I like Alabama. Yeah. Okay, so very funny thing that we got first. <laughs> yeah. This is this is for Dan's enema for in case he needed it. It is a tiny 
crystal. <laughs> it's, it's an amethyst penis. I mean, I can tiny you? little. Yeah, no, we can't zoom in. Uh, yeah. Tiny, tiny little crystal, okay. tiny little crystal penis. Are you gonna sneak it in that shot? <laughs> it doesn't. It's not uh, focused. It's not focused for that. But uh, tiny, it'll be on Instagram. <laughs> tiny little crystal penis. And and by crystal the way, dick. if you're a new listener, um, the horror part is over. So if you're like, oh, why are they just talking? Because it's the end of the show. You don't have to listen anymore. Yeah, you can go away now. And then also, if you don't, if you don't like this part, yeah. I now I like this because whomever gave these to you, you're a genius. Mm-hmm. You know how to cure coronavirus. Crystal soap. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, yep. Crystal I, soap. I, I remember. That's that, it. I remember that was a, a her, and she was uh, she was bummed that you weren't there. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. I'm and, so sorry. And, and she uh, said like, well, you know, now you can like uh, bathe in crystals. Yeah, buddy. I mean, they're so pretty. They are so pretty. And this is how I'm going to cure coronavirus. Perfect. I'm going to start putting on weird videos about oh, how... Curing it? Yeah, just that we're going to cure it with crystals. You are going to get <laughs> an amethyst dick up your ass, and then you take a bath in amethyst soap, huh? and you are cured. So if mm-hmm. anybody is looking... If, if anybody's been diagnosed with COVID-19, come see mm-hmm. me. I've got the cure. I picture you in like an old timey wagon, like the snake oil salesman <laughs> in like the American Old West with yeah. your with your soap and your little tiny dick crystals. Oh my God. Like just standing on some shitty platform addressing like an old uh, Wild West town. That would be so great. <laughs> you just put the crystal penis in your bottom and you wash yourself with the crystal soap and that's how you don't get sick again. And then people just hand you money and great. going back to their cabins. I'll pay off all of our debt this way. Oh, man. Great. Awesome sauce. This was a fun episode. <laughs> this was a very fun episode. Yeah. I'm liking this show. I'm glad uh, a lot of you are enjoying the show. I'm, I'm, we're you know, liking it more and more, you know, like with a show like this. Thanks for sticking around with the beginning, many of you. I, th- I think uh, it's been fun since the beginning. But the longer you do something, you know, like I learned that with Time Suck and, and then uh, the Secret Suck over there, things morph and change. My stand-up things morph and change. And, and I like I like where this is settling. Oh, I, I like the, I like I feel like, I feel like in my opinion, I don't know if lizards, but I feel like during the scary stories, we keep we try to keep the focus on the scares. Yes, and then we cut loose a little bit in between. And yeah, I, and I like I I feel like it's a fun recipe. Um, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and then that's all. That's all of the the show so for today. Weird. I'm so weird. weird, yeah. No. Uh, please keep sending your personal tale, tales of terror to uh, my story at Scared to Death Podcast. Com. Hey, remember last huh? year when we were in Nashville and I got a chicken purse? Yes. Yes, sweet chicken purse. Sorry. Mm-hmm. And then uh, and then you can uh, send everything else to info at scaredtodeathpodcast.com. Last time I was, I, we were in Nashville too, kind of a scary related thing. Alice Cooper, you know, kind of uh, one of the the, the, oh, yeah. the originators of scary metal, you know, yeah. that scared people at the time. He was staying at our hotel. <laughs> yep. And he was staying at the hotel and I was playing a, uh, some like uh, ACDC pinball machine in the lobby and then Alice Cooper walked by and that was a fun life moment. Yeah, I missed it. I was mm-hmm. so sad. I would have told you, but I was, I was busy. I thought I had a chance at the high score. <laughs> Probably uh, not. Probably not. Uh, <laughs> thanks for listening. Uh, Watching Scared to Death, Bad Magic Production. Thanks to Harmony Camp on social media. Joe Paisley producing and directing. Zach Flannery, part of our team here as well. Sophie Evans finds uh, a lot of the new creepy stories. Uh, Joe Paisley, Zach Cohen, and Jeffrey Montoya kick ass on the sound beds that Joe layers in to make the shows a little scarier. Yeah. Heather Rylander, you know, uh, passes along uh, the, the my story at scaredtodeathpodcast.com emails to Lindsay. Yeah, she basically is like my therapist. She keeps me from losing my shit. <laughs> True. And uh, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Scared to Death Podcast. Subscribe to Bad Magic Productions on YouTube if you want to watch the show. Enjoy your nightmares, creeps, and peepers. Uh, try not to let Teke Teke get you. You got three days. You got Stop. three days to not die. Hope you were scared to death. I'm going to kill you. If spirits threaten me in this place, fight water by water and fire by fire.
banish their souls into nothingness and remove their powers until the last trace. Let these evil beings flee through time and space. Evil may pass through, but has no home here within, scared to death. Hey everybody, it's Rob Lowe here. If you haven't heard, I have a podcast that's called Literally with Rob Lowe. And basically it's conversations I've had that really make you feel like you're pulling up a chair at an intimate dinner between myself and people that I admire, like Aaron Sorkin or Tiffany Haddish, Demi Moore, Chris Pratt, Michael J. Fox. There are new episodes out every Thursday. So subscribe, please, and listen wherever you get your podcasts. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.